Amen. We'll turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, which is page 974 of your pew Bible. I think that Mr. Jones already prepped you that my voice is half shot, but um, someone counseled me to use some menthol uh, cough drops, and so it's helped. Uh, That said, you're going to see um, a picture of how the Lord uses weak voice, (laughs) I pray, just to speak forth his word. And so turn with me to Galatians chapter um, 5, page 974, and stand with me as you arrive there. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. You may be seated. Friends, the fruit of the Spirit is the full-orbed, fully-formed maturity in Christ. That change that's brought about in us from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we learned this last week uh, as as we saw an introduction to this sermon series. But now we focus in on the very first fruit of the Spirit that we see in this passage. What is the fruit that leads the way? What is the fruit that opens the door to the other fruits? Well, is it any surprise that it's love? Love. Love is what we're studying today. Love is what we're hearing about as, and, and praying that God will, will, will show us in a new and refreshing way. Love is what we prayed that God would work in our hearts from the inside out. Now, what is Love, we're about to, to talk about that, but what I, fir- I first want you to notice is that love in this passage is like a key that unlocks the door to the other fruits. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And then we turn to Colossians three fourteen. We hear this, Above all, put on love which binds all things together in perfect peace and harmony. And then 1 Corinthians 13, probably a favorite passage of many of yours, read at many weddings, but I'm not sure many people take time to think about what it's saying. But but what, what does it actually say? It says, 
Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. And so right away we see marching out before us throughout scriptures that love is this key that opens the door to the fruit of the spirit. Love is one of the first things that the spirit works in us as he's changing us from the inside out. And one of the signs that you are being conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, I love how one theologian um, named Donald Barnhouse puts it. Listen to this. I, I didn't come up with this. He did. And it's really excellent. He said, love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. You see what he's saying? There's a sense in which each of these fruit of the spirit are a distinct thing to look at in its own right but you can see how none of them matters anything none of them can even get off the ground can even make a single step without love leading and so love is what we turn to consider this morning from the word of god let's let's offer a definition of love and then and then i want us to discover what love looks like And then we need to see love on display, or or rather us called to display love. And so what is love? You know, it's interesting. um, In the English language, right, love, that one word, encompasses all these different things. It can say, I love my dog. I love my mom. I love cherry pie. And you can pick up that each one of those things is kind of different. Hopefully. (laughs) But in other languages, especially Greek, you see there's these different words that help to nuance what is meant. And so you have, for instance, eros in Greek. And that, this word means romantic love, the kind of uh, affection that, um, that, that a couple, a married couple have for one another. You also have philia, which is that kind of love that's the love between two friends the kind of companionship and affection uh, that, that one friend would have towards another and vice versa. But then you come to the love which is spoken of in this portion of the scripture and is really used the most to define love in the scriptures. And it's that word, what? Agape. Agape. What does agape mean? Well, we can understand agape a bit better by contrasting what it means when we look at these other kinds of love. You see, the, the unique thing about agape is it's pure self-giving. You don't gain anything from showing agape. Because in philia, right, I'll be, my, I'll be your friend with the hope that you'll be mine. With eros, that romantic love is so often directed towards one with the great hope and expectation that it will be returned. But in agape, there's no hint that it will be returned, that love will be reciprocated. It's the kind of love which gives freely to others because of the good it brings them, not because of the benefits that the relationship offers in return. Do you see what I'm saying? It's amazing. And it flies in the face of the basic impulse of our world's outlook and really the sin in our hearts. Because what, what do we say in our selfishness? What do we say in our sin? We say, why would it ever be worth loving someone if they're not going to love me back? 
And the constant drive of our world in our own lives is this kind of, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. You show me a reason uh, to, to spend, uh, to, to give myself to you. You show me a reason to devote myself to you. And, and I'll, I'll weigh whether it's worth it. Isn't this the kind of calculation that runs through our own minds far too often? In fact, I would suggest that and much of what is called love today is actually a counterfeit. It's not really love at its essence. It's actually a selfish affection disguised as love. And it says something like this. I'm so in love with you, but what it really means is I need your approval. I need you as my security. I need you to tell me the things I need you to hear. I need you to, to be the person I, I, I want you to be. For me, do you see how that, like at at first glance, it it almost looks like love, but there's this subtle and sinister twist that's being done. I'd suggest that every single one of us in all of our relationships struggles with that counterfeit. At a time and time again in our lives, call it love, but really it's closer to something like selfish affection. Saying, yeah, I'll do the dishes today because... I'm really hoping that you'll help me out later on with, with something I have in my life. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take care of the kids as long as uh, later you let me watch TV. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. True love, agape love says, I'm going to give and I'm going to give of myself. And I'm going to do this even if I never get anything back in return. You know, there's something about the cross of Christ that shows us that kind of love like nothing else. Agape love. And so we turn from defining love to now discover that love in the cross of Christ. John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. First John 4 paints a picture of love. It says, this is love. And what's the great announcement? What is love? Love is this. Love is God giving his son to a world that had rejected him. Now think about that for a moment. Think about God's love. Because the scriptures say God is love. Think of the infinite God who made the universe and all things in it. Now, why did he make the world? Why did God make us? Is it because he had a hole in his heart so big he needed someone uh, to, to share life with? No, no. For all eternity, God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in perfect community and love, Trinitarian love. God has never needed someone to love. He's never needed an object to direct his love towards because within himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love in its fullness is displayed. So when God makes us, it's not because he needs someone to love, but it's purely out of his, out of, out of the, his heart of self-giving. And then that love that God didn't need to create us to show us spilled forth all the way to the cross when we turned from him and ran 
and desired love on our own terms rather than on his. We went to the cross or he, he went all the way to the cross, chasing us, as it were, in his love. And died on the cross, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now notice what the cross teaches us about agape love. First, love, friends, is intentional. It's intentional. Jesus Christ decided to love you. He decided to give up his life. What did he say? No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. He he thought of this. In his mind was your sin. In his mind was your rejection of him. In his mind was was all the things that you had done to run from him. And yet in his mind was also his great desire to pursue you. And to put all of that aside for the joy of, of gaining you as his own. And he willingly gave himself for you. Now think about this. Do we love like that? Do we decide to love? Or do we wait around for a feeling to come upon us when we're in a loving mood? And I just don't feel like loving right now. But then maybe tomorrow I'll be different. Maybe tomorrow, you know, I'll be ready, ready to, to do the kind of things you're asking me to do. Do the kind of things I know I need to do for your good. No, love at every minute the cross teaches us that every second is an intentional moment where we are at a crossroads deciding, do I set aside my desires? Do I set aside my pride? Do I set aside my great plan for the world? And do I, do I set it aside to love others well? Every moment is like that. Not waiting for some, some mystical feeling to come upon us. But every moment is, an, is a moment of action. Am I going to love? Because you'll notice another thing about love. It's, it's not first and foremost a feeling. I say this to every, um, I, I say this a lot, but I especially say it in premarital counseling. And many of you know that. I say, look what the scriptures say about love. It's not some feeling. It's an action. Love does things. It moves its feet. It has hands that reach. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's a verb. And so the cross teaches us first and foremost that love is willing and intentional and it moves and it acts. But the second thing we know from the cross about love is that love is sacrificial and costly. You want to know the the cost of Christ's love for you? There are wounds still in his hands, still in his feet, still in his side and those wounds one day I pray you see them and those wounds will speak to you what they already speak at the right hand of the father I have loved and that love was costly it cost me my very life nothing less than dying on a cross experiencing the torment of hell For his sheep. Now consider this. At what point is love too costly for you? 
easy, I know this from personal experience, of course, to pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah, I, I did my loving deed today. And what it, really what it was was just a simple inconvenience, right? It's easy to show love when the task is a simple inconvenience, picking someone up at the airport, pausing one moment out of the day to do dishes. I'm not bashing those things. But Jesus is calling you to more. Jesus is calling you to a kind of love that would even lay down its life for others. Now, I want you to think about this and and understand again how our culture tends to define love. It tends to define love as simply accepting other people, simply putting our stamp of approval on how other people would choose to live their lives. Isn't that what we hear over and over again this very month of June? Love is love. Just don't get in the way of, of other people showing, choosing how to show love. You love people by approving their love. That's weak. What's the cost involved with that? Where's the sacrifice involved in just saying, yeah, you do whatever you want. It is far more costly and far more difficult. In fact, friends, to say, no, I love you too much than to approve of what you're doing. I love you too much to be silent about how you're, how you're ruining your life. I love you too much to not share Jesus with you. Now that kind of sacrifice might cost you your approval from others. It might cost you uh, your, their support, financial support of you. It might cost you your job. But then we're starting to move in the direction of the kind of love that would lay down its life and move in the direction of Jesus, pursuing others even to the point of personal pain and cost. So love is willing and intentional. Love is sacrificial and costly. And friends, finally, love is merciful. Think about the kind of people that Jesus loves. Think about yourself. Did you deserve what he did for you? No, I didn't. Did you deserve for him to go all the way to the cross after you turned in the other direction and said, hey, God, thanks for this kind of love that you want to show me, but I I think I want something different. And it wasn't even that kind. Our rebellion against God was just that rebellion. It was saying, God, get out of here. I want life on my terms. I don't want you. I don't want your love. Let's redefine things. I I wish you weren't the God of the universe. And yet in our hearts, if not with our words, at least in our hearts, every single one of us has said that to God. And yet he went to the cross for rebels, for enemies. And that's the great news of the gospel is that Jesus died for you while you were still his enemies. Now, spouses, you know how easy it is to say that you're ready to love when you know, you're, you're on your wedding day and you're looking at the other person and they're all dressed up and you, you're, you're on cloud nine. And then come years and years of disagreements and difficulties and there comes a day when you wake up and you realize, I am lying in the bed next to my enemy. I don't like him. I don't like her. And Jesus says, 
show mercy, show love. That's the very kind of person I'm calling you to love. And so Jesus showers his love upon people who don't deserve it. So, so should we. And so I would ask you, who do you choose to love? It's very easy to love people and to surround ourselves with people who just kind of say the things we want them to say, do the things we want that we want them to do. But there comes a time, and you all know this because relationships are messy, where people get out of your control and you're somehow attached to a person you can't get away from. You work with them. You live with them. You're married to them. And they've become someone that you don't like to be around. Someone who, in fact, isn't kind to you uh, that very moment. And Jesus says, that's the very moment that you don't get to choose whether or not you love them, but you love them. And remember what love looks like. Self-sacrifice, putting to death our pride, setting aside our plan for what's best for them. Friends, this deep love of our Savior is what we desperately need. Do you see it? This is love like the world doesn't know. If the world only knew Jesus, it would know true love. Not a cheap love, not a, not a weak love, but agape love. And then here's the kicker. That God loved us sacrificially in Christ so much that 1 John 4 says that we must show that love to others. Will we love others sacrificially? Will we love when other people don't love us in return? God calls you to display the love of Christ on the cross through your own bodies, through your own actions. And he calls you to display that today. Are you ready for that? Let me suggest a place to begin. You're going to say, this is very elementary, Pastor. Well, it is. But I'm going to suggest that you begin with your family and your friends. Begin with the people that you spend the most time with on a day-to-day basis. Whoever that is. Because right there, we tend, how does the world tend to speak of love, right? Especially in a month like this, it's all just kind of nebulous and out there. Well, let's, let's put flesh on it. And love with flesh on it looks like the people that you live with. What would self-service, selfless service look like in your relationship with your wife, husbands? What would it look like when you're coming home from a hard day at work and you just want to sit down and pop on the TV? But the kids are going crazy and your wife's eyes are saying, help. What does love look like in that moment? Wives, what about when your husband is speaking to you about something he's frustrated about in your marriage or in the family, and you can see how passionate he is about it, but you're just not getting it. And you'd love to punch back. You'd love to say, you got this all wrong. What does love look like in that moment? What words does it say? 
What does it do when you feel like your husband's out of his mind? And husbands are frequently out of their minds. I know this. Kids, what does love look like when your siblings are picking on you, stealing your toys? You want to play with them, but they don't want to play. What does love look like when mom and dad are asking you to spend the day in a way you don't want to spend it? All of these instances, and and I could add thousands more, right? With friends and family and people that don't agree with you, that don't share your convictions. Love looks like self-giving, self-emptying service. And sometimes it looks like speaking words that other people don't want to hear. But other times it looks like listening and leaning in and saying, I don't get this but I'm with you. You see, friends, God never commands Eros love or Philia love. It's good. He created it. And frequently, frequently we all get to enjoy many of these things. But the Lord does command agape love. And he commands you to display that love here and now in your relationships as that fruit of the spirit that opens the door to all the others. So let's go to God now praying that he would work that in our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, the love which you display in the scriptures, the love which you displayed in real history through the death and resurrection of your son. This is a love that we have never known apart from your grace. This is a love that the world does not know and we desire that it would. Oh, that the world would know the love that you displayed towards it in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that our own lives, the words we speak, the calls to action that come from our mouths, and the acts of service that come from our hands and our feet would lead the way to showing forth Christ. For we know, Lord, that inasmuch as you worked any of the fruit of the Spirit in us, it is only Uh, insofar that 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 is done, that we show forth Christ to the world. And so would you be with us by the power of your Holy Spirit, conforming us to Jesus, conforming us to love, which is taken on flesh. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.